everybody. Glad to be here. Rogue Table Talk number 26. This is Chad Myers and this is Mike Sherman. Come on. Great to be here. Beautiful yes, day in the neighborhood. That's right. Here we are. We're done with Jesus Unexpected as yeah, a series. Yeah, you don't get to be surprised by Jesus no. anymore. No, we're just back to expected territory and behavior. <laughs> uh, but we're going to start something a little different next week. And this week is really kind of about vision and about just the church, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So just we're going to have a, we're going to talk about the church, Rogue Table Talk. Yeah. What's the church all about? What's the version? mission? What's the role? That's right. Like That's right. And I think for listeners... Who may say, well, that, okay, why would I pay attention to that? Sure. Right. Sounds like church guys talking about church. Right. Well, A, you should always pay attention when Chad and I are speaking. Thank you. Hello. (laughs) Uh, And I think the biblical description of what church is and should be often doesn't fit our behavior. Yeah. I mean, we have a cultural answer to what is church. And that answer is, I mean, it's it's like a legitimate cultural phenomenon and institution, and we have to admit that we respond to church in ways that conform in somewhat sense to our culture. Um, but that may not be uh, may not be how we ought to, how we you know what we're called to, who we really are as a church. Like for instance. Um, and you know, for for you'll you'll be able to tell as we go along, uh, and these are generally relatively uh, poorly planned uh, conversations that we have together. Uh, yeah. This is even more free free flow. So yeah. just kind of throwing that out there. Um, but if you think about how we talk about church, uh, if we if there are two Christians in particular talking about, maybe they go to different churches. It's like, what do they say about their experience? Typically, uh, you know, I like the messages. I like the pastor. The worship's this. It's got a good program for that. Mm-hmm. My kids like it. Um, whatever. I mean, you know, great location. You know, nice facility. Whatever people say, and none of that's wrong. It's not unbiblical to speak of the church that way. It's just a culture. It's our experience of it is this. Yeah. Uh, I like my small group or I'm connected to these people. And I have friends there and all that's fine and great. And that's doesn't, it, it's not, uh, it doesn't conflict with the biblical answer, but there's way more to what the church is and than what our experience of it is. Cause what our experience of it is t- typically we're 21st century American, uh, consumers of goods and services. Mm-hmm. And to some degree, it's inevitable that we experience church that way, right? Yeah. Through a consumer mindset, through an entertainment mm-hmm. mindset. Right. That is the cultural condition. So we can't escape it. And That's in right. some sense, when we're doing church, we can't escape it. That's right. And to say, yeah, I shouldn't feel that way, so I don't, is, isn't really honest. We do. I mean, we. it's impossible for us not to have that lens to some degree. And so this will be a bit of, okay, what what really are we? And I think too, when I think about okay, what is the mission of the church? It can, it's easy for me to put it in this box of, well, that's at that location and that's some type of program that they have to feed the poor or to evangelize the local neighborhood. A church program. That's the mission of the church. And so it's easy for me to disconnect, Mm -hmm. to be like, well, that's not what 
you know, I'm doing, or that's not what I do. So that's why I think it's important to talk about is what is the real mission of the church? I.e., what is my role in bringing right. about uh, my part in the drama of redemption? Right. Like right. I'm the church. Yeah. You're the church. We're right. the church. Of course, the church is a location. The local church. It's all valid. But the people, myself and mm-hmm. you, on mission. And then, as you said, how much am I in my life in alignment? Yeah. With the mission of what Jesus came to do. That's right. Yeah, because we would say the church is not a building, and uh, which, I mean, culturally, there's a cultural way of talking about the church, that the church is a building. Uh, Mm -hmm. That's where is that church, how you get there. You know, you have to plug an address into your phone and and follow the directions. And that's not necessarily invalid. You know, the church is not a program, but the church church does have a program, as you said. And that's fine. Uh, But that is, it tends to be a way of talking about the church as something other than me that I can optionally elect to join at some level or opt in or be involved at this level or not. And I'm still an individual free, free agent and the church is over here and I'm engaged as I see fit. That's my point. If the mission of the church happens at this point in time at that location, then it's easy for me to say, well, I'm, you know, I'm not engaged in that. Yeah. Right. That's right. Or, or that I am engaged because I get involved in this program or whatever. So really it's, so we're going to talk about, um, identity, like who, you know, why, like purpose, mission, like what, what is the church all about? Uh, and, you know, share a couple of passages, um, as we go along. Um, one of the passages that we'll talk about this weekend is first Peter two, nine and 10. And it's really an identity passage. Uh, where Peter writes, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Mm. So that's a, it's an identity statement. Yeah. Um, this is who you are. This is who we are. This is not what you have to do or what you should do. There is functionality in identity. And maybe we can talk about mm-hmm. that because a priesthood does something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And not, it doesn't, it's just not just something that exists. There's a role there. Right. But first and foremost, our identity is bestowed upon us, given to us. Um, this is sheer grace. That's right. We got engrafted into the family by God's grace. Yes, we have responsibility. Um, there's mystery and all of that, but this is the new identity that we get mm-hmm. to exist in. I love this passage because um, I'm a huge fan of the continuity of the Bible. Right. Um, not the right. sharp God's discon- people in the Old Testament yeah. and God's people in the New Testament. Yeah, yeah, there's threads in the story that keep running through the story as opposed to that was for them and that's over. Mm-hmm. Right. And now this is all new for us. Right. Um, right. That, that there was a Levitical priesthood and mm-hmm. that's over. Yeah. But there is still, we are a royal priesthood. I mean, this is what this says. This well, is the, the Bible yeah. saying, calling us, his church, a royal priesthood. Exactly. And Peter is a good Jewish educated, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. young man. Right. He's just not throwing words around. He's not here. throwing words around. He's, he's echoing Exodus 19, four through six, when God rescues Israel from slavery in Egypt, that's redemption. And then he gives them the instruction. It's always redemption first mm-hmm. and then instruction. So mm-hmm. that people don't get confused right. about how they get into the family of God, uh, they don't have to you know you don't have to work yourself into it. Mm-hmm. You can't. Uh, but this is an, an echo of nineteen four through six, um, 
and you will be to me a holy priesthood. Mm -hmm. Right. And I will, essentially, I will use you to do something in the nations. Right. So it's all, it's God's plan and God has a people for his plan. We are now God's people. And that's, so as an identity, and he's talking to people of different nationalities, Mm -hmm. people groups, men and women, different socioeconomic uh, men, women, men, children, different socioeconomic uh, strata, professional or whatever, that we all together are this entity. And our, I think as unlike our cultural uh, view of church, where we tend to even divide up by church, right? Mm-hmm. That I'm part of this church and this church, church, this church, which having a local association is great, but from as an identity, we are all together the church. Yeah, you have, uh, theologically speaking, the universal church. Yes. Like the Christians, brothers and sisters across the world. All the Christians across the world. Right. And right. then you have the local church. Yes. Yes. And even all the Christians through time. Through time. Because we will be eternity. I mean, all of us that have come to Christ, that were have received mercies, that as, you know, using his uh, called out of darkness into his marvelous light, using this terminology here that Peter uses, we are all together a chosen race and a royal priesthood and a holy nation and a people for his own possession. So let's briefly, we've talked some about those things, chosen race, royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own uh, possession. Uh, So chosen race Mm -hmm. is and people uh, for his own possession, like God has called us out, right? Isn't that part of the meaning of the church, right? The called out ones, right? Yeah, Uh, Yeah, Ecclesia, called out ones. Yeah, so we are the ones that God has gathered uh, and all of, and I'm trying to contrast that a bit against this, this, the cultural idea that here am I as a free agent and I can engage in this or go here or do that or not, where this is, no, God's called me into his people. He's called me, I'm a called out one with you and with people that go to the church across the street and with people that go to this church that you know, maybe don't totally theologically agree with. And these people over here that we are all together one entity, that we will, an eternal entity, that we're a chosen race and we're people for God's possession. Oh. How should that influence not only how we view church, but how we view each other and all other churches? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a good question. I think it's interesting that he, writing to Jews and Gentiles, there has to be something um, uh, that can be mildly offensive. Oh, yeah. When he says chosen race. Right. Because... A Jew wouldn't want to think he's of the same race. I think he's intentionally trying to undermine a barrier that's erected between people uh, and often a source of hostility. Yeah. Um, I'm me and I'm not you and you're you and you right. stay over there. Yeah. But, but writing to both Jews and Gentiles here saying, Hey guys, like your, your fundamental re- identity yes. transcends yep. that. And, and I think, I don't know. So just to be fair, I'm, I'm saying that, uh, this would have been the harder pill to swallow for the Jewish sure. identity right. because of course we're the chosen race. Right. The promises right. came through us. Of course we're on the right. inside. And now, wait, the pagans get to be involved yeah, in the right. mission of God? Right. And it's yeah. very clear and explicit. Yeah. That's going to be a hard pill yeah. to swallow. And that's where chosen comes in. Mm-hmm. And that's where people for God's own possession, this is God's doing. Yeah. He gets to choose. Yeah. He gets to call us out. 
um, I don't get, I mean, I don't get to legitimately question his choices Yeah, right. right, right. as to whether I, I think this person should or shouldn't be in. Um, royal priesthood. Yeah, I, I so I love the concept of priesthood because from Leviticus, you have people who were set apart as the priests from the tribe of Levi, and their function was to mediate and intercede on behalf of the people to God and then on behalf of God to the people. Mm -hmm. They were healers. Mm -hmm. They were connectors. They were uh, mediators. So here, what's really incredible is he says, oh, there's not just a select few. Mm -hmm. Now it's the whole of you. All of you are now. of priests. Yeah, you're go-betweens for the culture. You're mediators of the knowledge of God and the presence of God Mm -hmm. um, to the people that you interact with. And And priests heal. And royal priests, Mm. like some sort of kingly uh, status, some sort of you know, authority, even more authoritative than perhaps the Levitical. And I don't really know exactly what that means, but certainly we have parables of if you're faithful, you will rule this many cities. And what, I don't exactly know what that means, uh, but there's a sense of, it's a very high calling. It's it's a part, and again, in contrast to our cultural experience of church, which I don't mean to demean, it just, it's simply incomplete yeah. that our cultural experience tends to, I mean, we, I think we can, it's easy to make too little of it when, if, you know, if we own this identity, we would want to dive in wholeheartedly mm-hmm. because royal priesthood, mm-hmm. sure, mm-hmm. that's like, I, that sounds pretty amazing, right? Yeah agents for change in the world, yeah. agents for restoration in the world, agents to say, let's steward the love, justice, and mercy of God in the world. Mm-hmm. It's not just a self-contained thing. Yeah. Right, right. It's not for us right. to just enjoy. And that's where, you know, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That that we would proclaim him that called us from darkness to life, from, from death to life. And that maybe is in, in worship, uh, in life, in deed, and all these different ways we're declaring the excellencies of him who's called us and made us an, uh, a holy nation, made us a royal priesthood, chosen us as his people, that we, when we worship, it's, more than my experience of worship. Yeah. You know, when I serve, it's more than my experience of serving. In community, it's more than, it's not less than these things. These things are all still happening, but it's more than my, uh, I feel like I'm getting my needs met in this community. It's more than, uh, it's more than all these things because it's a, all of these things are an expression of this identity that he's given us for his purpose. Yeah. And this may be too strong to say it this way, but the consumer mentality is where we start, but hopefully it's not where we stay. Yeah. Right. The consumer mentality. I understand. Like I have to feel connected. I have to feel like this is a value for me yeah. that I can grow somewhat in this teaching and blah, blah, blah. But you definitely don't want to stay there. You don't want every evaluation to be through a consumer mentality. You definitely don't want to do that in at your home. Right. 
Are you meeting my needs? Are you performing? Right. Are you doing yeah, a great you're not job? Going to... Am I rating you five stars? Right. That's right. Like if this does I'm getting rated five stars. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Five stars or just don't. Yeah. That's what they tell you. <laughs> if you're going to rate me five stars, go ahead. Here's the rating. If you're not, let's you know, talk about it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I do think you have, okay. So you have to choose a church and you choose a church based on this, that, the other thing. Right. And that's all perfectly valid. Right. But once you you don't want to always be in the mode of choosing the church. Like once you're that's choosing good. the church, it's now how do I live? I am this. Like they are not this other thing that I can engage in. I am now. It's part of my identity. Yeah. Right. And part of how my mission is worked out is through this this entity, this group of people. And the crazy thing is, um, choice and race, royal priesthood, holiness. I mean, this high description. And then we're all thinking of, yeah, but I know those people. Right. <laughs> right? <laughs> we're like, uh, have, you, have you met my right. friends? Like, <laughs> have you, you know, met the talking, people at the who church? Who you're talking about? <laughs> um, that's not who they are. But I think that's that both this, the messy, imperfect, uh, yeah, God knows who he's talking to. Yes. He knows yes. exactly what he's yes. dealing with. This is with. not some idealized, I hope this might be true someday. As we're messy and imperfect and selfish and consumeristic, we are more fundamentally than that. Yeah. A chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. And that's what I mean. I think there's something like to stay in the consumer mindset is to live in a very small story. There's something bigger going on, mm -hmm. and that's me being an active participant yeah. and fulfilling this identity in more a more fullness. Like, how do I move from just kind of seeing to participating? Yeah, like just observing. Okay, right. I've been here for a while. I'm observing. Right. I think this is where I want to yeah. plant my family or me or whatever. Great. And then the next step is royal priests. Our agents for change. Yeah. So we get on, we, we get into action. Right. We fulfill our calling. And, you know, there's probably seasons in life when, you know, you need more care than you're able to provide care to others and so on. And we all understand that. Hands down. Uh, and that's what the church should be there for. But at the same time, we, we all should be open to that and welcome that instead of, you know, perhaps pretending that isn't true. Uh, but at the same time, uh, being in a small group is being in a small community of people. Perhaps I am a pastoral presence. Like I don't, like I don't, maybe I don't have the office or the education, but I am a pastoral presence for this person. I'm not even the leader of the group, but I can be pastoral. Mm -hmm. I can care for you. I can pray for you. Um, uh, I can visit you when you're sick and so on. And that's really a part of living out this this who we really are this identity and that is much more like there isn't a program for that mm -hmm. i mean there are programs for those things but if you're in a small group and you hey uh, you need help and i'm helping you that's not a program that's part of your identity right it's more organic yes it's it's the one of the beauties of we being the church get to transcend boundaries really quickly yeah because we're people I think it's important that you said there are seasons of life where you're just showing up and that's okay. That's all I can do. That's all moment. you can do. And, and, and that and might be I'm bringing my neediness yeah. and I'm bringing my brokenness and it took, you don't know what it costs me to get through these doors or to show up at the small group or whatever. Mm -hmm. 
And that's fantastic. Yes. I even think of like young families with right. multiple kids or young single moms yeah. or any uh, anyone in those seasons that are just circumstantially overwhelming. Yeah. Like come and take. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Come and take, come yes. and come and take a deep breath and right. sit back and yeah. let God minister right. to you. Yeah. And I think that's, um, what a community might do and that we're all a Royal priesthood, but there are seasons when I can be more engaged and active than, right. and, uh, than I, than I can in other times. Um, so this, this, that once you were not a people, but now you're God's people, once you had not received mercy, but now you had received mercy. I do think part of this really is, um, what does it mean for the transformation of my own heart and for my own increasing Christ likeness to think of myself as a part of a people, uh, and not just, it's not just my own, it's not just me and Jesus, it's just my own thing. And be a part of the people that have been the people who have received mercy. Like, how does that change my heart? Because I, I do think we can err. We can err on too much passivity, and then too much. Um, I'm in control of my spiritual life, mm -hmm, sort of. Mm -hmm. Where I've received mercy is a I was helpless. Yeah. Right. I am helped to some degree. I'm helpless. I can't yeah. give. You know, I can't go get God's grace and and take it. He has to give it to me. I have to receive mercy. I have to receive His grace. And that's fundamentally part of who I am, not just as a theological truth, but that that has to change my heart in some way and change mm. my interactions with you and other people, right? Mm. If I really, like I am a grace receiver, mm -hmm. I am a mercy receiver. That's fundamentally part of who I am as part of God's people. If I don't remember that, well then, a, I can I can be dishonest about my own heart, but then I can also be sort of harsh about yours. Yeah. Right? Right. Uh, and I think that's part can be part of our consumer experience where mm. oddly um the consumer part of me wants to come to a church that makes me feel good and maybe doesn't ask a lot about from me mm -hmm. where sometimes maybe I need to feel like, Oh no, you, I need grace. Well, that's and, what I think. If you start to get into how transformation works, you start to examine yourself or examine your own heart and get into some of the functions of the motives connected mm -hmm. to your behavior. I think from what I know of myself and hear and read, you're going to bump up against a wall pretty quick. Yeah. It's going to go something like this. I can't change myself. I can't do that. Whatever. Yeah. Say I, that again though. I, <laughs> I can't change myself. Yeah. I think that is something we know in our head. It's like money doesn't buy happiness. Yeah. We know that in our head, but yeah, I, I, I don't, at some deep level, I want to believe I can change myself. I Just give me another true. chance. Yep. I can do it. Yeah. It's like, yeah, money, I know money doesn't buy happiness, but if you give me a million dollars, I'll be happy. I will be happy. <laughs> <laughs> I'll buy a bunch of things that make me happy. 
Yeah. I want to try that just to say I became really unhappy with a million dollars. <laughs> yeah. That, that I, there's a certain, I'm called to be active and engaged and on mission. And, but there's a certain, um, I can't help myself mm. totally. Yeah. Right. I think I that's can't. true. And then, then this is how gracious God is because you receive mercy becoming mm-hmm. a Christian, mm-hmm. profess Christ, you receive it, you don't even realize the depth of need sure. for it. Right. And he yeah. doesn't feel the pressure to all at once convince you of that. Right. It's a slow unfolding right. for you. And right. you can resist how deep you need it. Yeah. But if you go into those invitations, you'll find those places of, wow, the mercy I mm-hmm. received and I wasn't even aware of how much I needed it. Yeah. I got, I, I was healed. You know, I'm reminded, we're talking about transformation. Uh, I was doing a small class last night and I remembered this passage in Romans 12 and everybody typically knows this about um, when they talk about being transformed, they go to Romans 12 Mm -hmm. and Paul says here, you know, don't be conformed to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Mm -hmm. And the wonderful thing about this verb, uh, be transformed is uh, that it isn't, active like don't transform yourself right which means it's not me as the subject Mm -hmm. i do the transformation and yet it isn't passive Mm -hmm. which means it's not going to automatically happen to me Mm -hmm. like i just i sit back and god does everything it's actually this really fun tense in the greek called reflexive so it simply means this that's fun isn't it fun yeah it means it's kind of like a child who's really dirty and you know they need a bath and you're going it's like a toddler and you're going to try to put them in the bath and they're fighting you. You have to cooperate. You have in your to own cooperate. Transformation. God the Father is moving towards you. It's invitational, but he he needs you to cooperate. He won't overpower you because he just yeah. doesn't do that. Right. And you have a responsibility, but you're not doing the change. Yeah. You're just allowing, yeah. surrendering, right. letting go, whatever that means for you in time. Yeah, I have this image of for all of us who have been re- the recipients of grace and mercy and transformation, that there there should be a kinship and a bond between us that it's like if you went to some gathering of cancer survivors, like mm. there's a bond there yeah, because they've been on this journey. And I'm not sure we look at our fellow churchgoers that way, that they're, like you're a fellow recipient of grace and mercy. And I've been down part of that road that you've been down. And that's something that ties us together. And that's a part of something of how I'm going to view you and how I'm going to interact with you. Uh, because you, it is messy and you are imperfect and we are going to trample on each other. That's all going to happen as well. Right. Um, so who we are as a church and kind of what we're about. Um, when you're, when we talk about like, so vision, we talk about, you know, what's the vision for the church. Mm-hmm. Um, so you found, I think, uh, uh, an interesting verse in Romans four, mm-hmm. uh, that maybe will lead into that conversation. You want to read that? Yeah. Uh, Romans four seventeen. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of the God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. Uh, So just some context for you. Paul is uh, referencing Abraham and the promise to Abraham that through him, 
uh, he would bless he, there would be a universal blessing to the world and he would have land. He would have, uh, uh multitude, people, yeah, yeah, descendants, um, and that the blessing would come. Um, but he's using this and he says that the promise, uh, had to be fulfilled be, and God had to call forth a child mm-hmm. from Abraham mm-hmm. and Sarah, something that didn't exist had to come into existence and God often works this way. And in fact, this is how I would say this is his uh, modus operandi. Uh, he calls into existence things that don't exist yet. There's potential. There's the reality for each of us that he wants to put on display. This is, this is what redemption is. Redemption is rescuing people from the dominion of sin and giving them a platform in the world uh, and letting them be somewhat of a billboard to say, this is what new humanity looks like mm-hmm. and tastes like. Do you want some of yeah. it? That's the purpose of the church, yeah. is to invite people to their fullest potential of what it means to be human yeah. and new humanity, fully functioning, not perfect humanity, but new humanity, and then say, do you guys want to be a part of yeah. it? There's an invitation. Be, there's an invitation to it. Or the transformation. Mm-hmm. And then an invitation, sort of a public display of transformation. And I have this idea of, you know, calling in to existence that which wasn't, there's a miraculous nature to like a supernatural yeah. thing where it's not, sometimes vision is let's all get together and try hard. Mm-hmm. And that's you know, maybe our conception of it. But all of these things we're talking about are supernatural things. You know, the mission of the church is supernatural and like what, and so even in my own heart, do I believe God can call into existence that which isn't yet in existence? That's good. Like that's, that he's bringing, I mean, for Isaac to be born, right? I mean, Abraham's 100, Sarah's 90. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just not happening. Yeah. Uh, and God has, it's, it's clear God has, if it had happened, God did it. And I think sometimes we can, yeah, it's, we can make it less clear that we want to control it and manage it. So then when something good happens, we can say, Hey, it was a great plan we had. Uh, and even in our own heart. Um, and sometimes I, if I don't really believe that, then, I mean, do I really see myself as somebody who can stand up and be a display of a transformed person and then an invitation to somebody else to explore that transformation. Yeah. If I don't actually see that as a possible thing in my future, well then that's discouraging and I might retreat, I might get embittered, I might check out, I might go through the motions, mm-hmm. I might pretend all the things that we do instead, instead of, well, God has to make that happen yeah. and I have to cooperate with him in my mm-hmm. transformation and then in the display of it is God has to call other people. He's doing all this, he's doing all this, the heavy lifting. And that to me is a vision in a way of, well, what does God want? What does God want in my heart? And then what does he want from us as a people writ large? What does he want from us at this church in the year of our Lord, 2019, right now in this culture? Because I do think this sense that we feel 
as the church grows less culturally prominent and maybe in a sense more culturally opposed, I think I sense in some of my fellow church people almost a siege mentality. Sure. Almost a, I don't know, a fear of what's going to happen next rather than a, hey, God's going to call something into existence that hasn't yet existed. Yeah, I think that's really good. So whether it's a fear and then the reaction of need to control or even, or another uh, layer of whether it's a despair and an invitation to hope. Because as a cynical person, if I was Abraham... Yeah, I would have thought. I literally would have walked away and thought, "Well, that's not going to yeah. happen." Like, like that's yeah, really that's not going like to happen. Eighty years too late. Yeah, yeah. it's not going to happen. Even when it did, I'd question. I don't think this is happening. Mm-hmm. So this is a confrontation to me to say it's not. Uh, uh, it's not optimism. Oh, this is so good. Yeah. Uh, you may have heard this. So the crucifixion prevents anyone from being optimists. Mm but the resurrection prevents anyone from being pessimists. Mm-hmm. So what we're talking about is a hope rooted in a reality mm-hmm. that... So optimism like is all, not hope. It's right. just sort of wishing for a better something. Yeah, it's going to be fine or yeah, things will change or yeah. glasses, you know, yeah. whatever. But no, a hope is a... Tomorrow. Tomorrow <laughs> is another day. <laughs> it's like the invitation to trust God for what could be and move forward with what might come to pass, the potential that he's put within you, within the community, within your family. But let him get, let him say what that, how mm-hmm. it comes to bear fruit when mm-hmm. it comes to pass. Mm-hmm. And you won't fall into despair because you won't be trying mm-hmm. to control it. Mm-hmm. You won't be trying to like um, itemize it. But it is an invitation to hope that they're, that uh, the local church really is the hope of the world. Yeah. Right. And as the church goes, so goes the world. Right. That's really true. Right. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, we're called to change the world. We talked about this um, last week. In your phenomenal message you. on politics. Thank phenomenal. You. Yeah. Thank you. If you haven't listened to it, you're yeah. missing out. Go back. Yeah. Jacob will put some celebratory music in there as well. <laughs> um, so, but we, I think, to the, if I don't believe... God can change my heart. It's hard for me to really believe he's going to be moving to change the world. Like we make changing the world some sort of, I don't know, slogan or some sort of, pro, you know, where it happens probably in a thousand ways that we don't see because it happens in all these interactions of, you know, two, uh, uh, two, two sports parents sitting next to each other in the bleachers and one of them shares some whatever. And, a member of the royal priesthood says, hey, can I pray for you? Mm. That's how, the, I mean, those mm. are the sorts of ways in which the world has changed. So good. And we're all called into that. Yeah. Uh, if I see myself as a royal, part of the royal priesthood, then I'm looking for opportunities to mediate between God and the people, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's the the sense of, uh, it, it's, yes, the church and the programs of the church and the focus of the church, often we need to do that to help people sort of enlist and get on board and feel part of something. And, and the church together here can, can do some great things. Uh, but we ought not to miss that we, the chosen race and the Royal priesthood are called in sort of everyday yeah. ways to 
be this, what does it look like for me, this in the cubicle mm-hmm. at work or this in, uh, on the factory floor, or this in the classroom, like what does this play into? And I think we're so into our own, I don't know, experience of life and busyness and stuff. And that, that all, all the competing identity things that this is who we really are. And in that, what we might think is a throwaway moment, well, can I pray for you? that God might be calling into existence something that does not exist. That's good. Like we're not in control of it, right? He's doing it. And I'm just trying, you know, I'm just doing, I'm living out the identity he gave me and he's calling into existence, whatever he's calling. Can we wake up with an anticipation? What up? That's a good word. (laughs) Now I can't take myself so seriously (laughs) that I screwed that up. Anticipation of potentiality. Can we wake up and say, there's going to be moments today where things might be called into existence. Can I be prepared, yeah. be ready, be on right. the alert of, right. yeah, maybe it's pray right. for the people there. Maybe it's wake up at six and pray for my neighbors. Yeah. Maybe it's let's rake the neighbor's yard because they don't have the opportunity or they right. can't do it. Whatever that is, right. it's an encouraging note to a coworker. Mm-hmm. You killed the presentation. Great mm-hmm. job. Glad you're here. Mm-hmm. You know, it's these small moments of those. That's the key. Yeah, that's how life changes. And I think we get... I think so what can happen is, okay, well, that moment passes. I lose my nerve. I'm a failure. Right. And whatever. Where, again, each of these things can be a, you know, the next, maybe you write them in the next day, hey, you know, you told me that, and I probably should have just stopped and prayed for you then. So, mm-hmm. or something, you mm-hmm. own it. Yep. Even that, you're just being a faithful member of, of God's chosen people. And he's going to do whatever he's going to do with it. And I do, we talked about a little bit this last, this last week with, cause we talked about politics, but this to some degree, I mean, we're doing this in this time, in this place, in this culture and understanding what's happening in our culture or understanding what we don't understand about it so that we can't, as Paul says in second Corinthians five, be ambassadors. Like what does it mean to be an ambassador in this culture when maybe people don't think great things about the church or maybe people don't trust the church or maybe people assume I believe this, that, and the other thing. And so I'm behind the eight ball relationally. And, um, when, what does it mean to be ambassador in a culture when maybe it's not, um, it maybe costs me something. It maybe is risky. Uh, you know, I'm going to, uh, when I ask, is it okay if I pray for you? There's a risk in which somebody might say, yeah, I don't believe in any of that stuff. Yeah, yeah no, thank you. Yeah. yeah. And that's, you know, so uh, what is that? I mean, I have to do that in the here. I mean, faithfulness isn't a theoretical thing. It means with these actual peoples in this actual place, with my actual neighbors, with my actual coworkers, uh, with my actual family, what does it look like to be this person lived out loud? That's the real question. And I, I think to put it in that, in that context, I think often is overwhelming to us to a point at which we want to make it something else. But again, it's that it's the God has to do it thing. Let's God's the one has like, it, it should be overwhelming. It yeah. should be a, and I do think in those contexts that harder to hide. So people will see our, you know, in our families, it's harder to hide. Right. right. People, you know, you know, nice podcast, Mike. Right. 
<laughs> Thank you. It is a nice podcast. <laughs> Where it's, you know, this like, but I know the real. And that's right. Yeah, but I know the real you. I know the real yeah, you. Yeah, and yeah, that's, that's fair. Right. That is true. That's right. That's right. I, we're grace in motion. Right. That's right. And I think that's where it's, we either then, we either live with that uncomfortability and that dichotomy of who I am and how I act don't always match. Don't always. And yet yep. I don't want to then sell out who I am to justify how I act. Yeah. It's easy to get discouraged. We're talking about identity and behavior and living on mission. It's easy to, to let our failures or our behavior or our failure to engage in mission define us. Yeah. And that's the discouraging factor. We always have to come back to identity, whether we live it out well or not, right. our identity is true. That's why I love when C.S. Lewis talks about, there's no good conversation about who's a Christian, who's a not a Christian. If they say they're a Christian, the conversation is, um, they're either doing well today or they're not doing well today. Mm -hmm. They're good or mm -hmm. they're bad, you know, mm -hmm. and I've been bad Christian, mm -hmm. you know, some days and mm -hmm. some weeks and blah, blah, mm -hmm. blah. Um, and that's the reality, but yet I'm in, I'm a Christian. Yeah. He defines, I mean, he defines us. Right. We are the chosen. He chooses. We are the called out ones. He calls out. This is our identity. We are a Royal priesthood. Mm -hmm. I mean, as Jesus said, we are the light of the world. Now we can put the light under a bowl and we can act like peasants rather than you know whatever uh kings um but that doesn't change because god defines us and i think that's that notion is central to being the church and living it out um one passage that i really love was as it talks about the the church is ephesians 2 19 through 22 where Paul writes, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows up into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So again, it's the sense of this is who you are you are fellow citizens. You are fellow citizens with the saints, uh, members of the household of God, that we share a common teaching built on the foundation of the prophets and the apostles and the prophets with Christ himself being the cornerstone. And all of that together is a place where God lives. Yeah. That, that we are the dwelling place of the spirit. If people wanna see God's spirit in the world, they look to the church. Right. They read the church. And I think that, okay, well, people, people might, okay, well, that's pretty Pollyanna. That's pretty optimistic, but it isn't. This is exactly what he's saying. Yeah. Now we might be poor reflections of it, but that's, that's who we are, that we are the presence of God in the world. Full stop. Mm -hmm. And to, to live as the church is to live collectively as the people of God, the presence of God in the world. And that's what it means to be an ambassador. That's what it means to, you know, to, to share his excellency, to be a part of the Royal priesthood. Uh, and it's sort of, um, an exciting, daunting identity and calling all at once yeah. that should transcend all this other stuff. Uh, and actually part of my role in the body that, that grows into a holy temple, being joined together, being built together, is I should help you in your, 
you know, you're being a, a royal priest, right? Right, and you're shining the light. You should help me. We should help one another, build one another up uh, with this common identity. Uh, and I think that that's, um, I think it's so easy to be divided, distracted, anxious, annoyed, um, you know, to feel disenchanted, disenfranchised, mm -hmm. alienated. Uh, and all of those things we might actually do feel and experience, but it doesn't change who we are and who we're called to be. Right. Uh, and so, you know, God's vision of the church is that like what, if people want to see God in the world for good or for ill, God says, look at the church. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. I'm reminded to, to kind of summarize a couple of those thoughts. I'm reminded of that is the mission, uh, you know, and St. Francis of Assisi said, you know, we were put on display to proclaim his excellencies. We're preaching the gospel at all times. Mm -hmm. If necessary, use words. Mm -hmm. And it is necessary, so mm -hmm. it's a both and. We preach the church is a visual display of the gospel with our lives, with our grace, mm -hmm. forgiveness, tone. Not when you're driving, though. Yeah, right? <laughs> definitely not when you're driving. <laughs> Get out of the way. Uh, but also with our words. Our works and our words we display and yes it's imperfect and yes it's dimly mm -hmm. but who else is god going to use right and god can get over the imperfect sure so that's part of my calling into believing that is to risk that not it's not to risk it's a certainty that to uh, live with an imperfect representation of my identity to live with the results of that imperfection in faithfulness that God's going to do something with it. Right. That is beyond me. And so I do think, um, as we think about the church, as we think about Calvary church going forward, you know, that's really who we are as who God calls us to be. And I think for all of us, you know, w what does that mean for me and how do I f live that out? And, uh, if we regret anything, it will probably be, I forgot who I was too often, yeah. right? I forgot who we were, really. And I didn't help us be who God called us to be. So let's remind one another um, and let's live in that faith uh, together. Um, you got anything else, man? No, that's it. All right. Good stuff. Uh, we're going to hit it again next week, but uh, let's go this week with just an encouragement to be the imperfect church be the imperfect representation of god's royal priesthood and chosen people and live in faith that he's going to take that and do something beautiful with it have a great week thanks for listening to rogue table talks a calvary church media productions podcast be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts